0: It doesn't have to be like you're like yeah quit your job and go be a content creator i wouldn't advise that but it's like have they been putting in the work before they ever think of quitting their job because a lot of people ju- I, I have one-on-one calls with a lot of people and they just want to jump into content creation but they've never they've never posted YouTube anything content full-time yeah and they've never they've never posted anything on their social media before and i'm like the math is not really math. It's not computing. Math, not you? Know? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not computing. Yeah. Because I, I just don't understand. I'm like, I was always creating content about like fat, especially my, just my outfits of the day and things like that, way before I ever got paid for anything. Like since high school, I've been posting everything. Yeah,
1: Your consistency probably started a good five seven years before you actually went into it that's a really key step because um folks forget that like they see the finished product they're not seeing all of your trials and errors and all the other hours that you put in.
0: Again, if you really wanted to become a full-time content creator, you would be creating content before you ever get paid for it. Hello
1: and welcome to another episode of the Career Slay Talks podcast. My name is Brenda Dogbae, also known as The Career Slay Mama. And I'm really excited today to chat with um, Rennie the resource. And um, I've been following Rennie <laughs> for a while now on Instagram and I really appreciated um, all of the great content that she puts out. Uh, Just to give a bit of an intro, so Reni Odetoyinbo is a content creator and a marketing consultant who is based in Toronto, Canada, and on her YouTube channel, XO Reni, she shares resources about career development, lifestyle, and financial literacy, After buying her first house at the age of 23, she decided to share her knowledge with others with the goal of helping people understand adulting. And she helps them become more financially literate and shares tips to help them excel in their careers. Uh, From finance to career and lifestyle content, Rennie aims to make complex topics simple. And Rennie is also part of YouTube Black Class of 2022, which is a accelerator program run by you by Google to build her channel. So I'm super excited to talk to you today and I'm really glad that you were um available. So why don't we start by just hearing a little bit more about yourself. I mean owning a house by 23, you know, (laughs) in this market. Um, So i just like to, why don't you share with us a a bit of your personal journey? Yeah. So
0: thank you for having me, Brenda. I appreciate it. So hi everybody. My name is Rennie. People call me Rennie the resource or XO Rennie, either one you can call me. And I have a YouTube channel, as Brenda said, I am currently a full-time content creator. So I make content for a living. I basically talk on the internet for a living and I speak about personal finance, career development, and my lifestyle and a lot of travel as well too because I've been to 35 countries and I share my that's that's what I like to spend my money on, so I like to share that as well. Um yeah, that's a little bit about me. Nice.
1: So you born and raised in Toronto and then what was the catalyst for you in terms of your financial literacy and your journey?
0: So I was not born and raised here. I was well, I was raised here. I was born in England. So I was born in London, England, and then when I was 4 years old, my parents moved here to Canada and I've been living here ever since. And yeah, I have I've lived out I've lived in Thailand for 5 months, but the major everything else has been here in uh, Mississauga actually, uh, right outside of Toronto. And how I got into financial literacy is my parents were also very intentional about financial literacy. So my my dad started learning about financial literacy when he moved to England and from Nigeria and he realized that he didn't understand money basically uh from in the from the lens of like you know it's very different back home versus in a western country so he was on a mission to learn how to um understand money and then when he and my mom had me, they were like, okay, we're going to teach them the same thing so that they don't have to go through all the struggles that we went through. And when I was four years old, for example, I remember them helping open my bank account. Um, and like saying that every time that you get money, you have to put it into this account, a little, some of it into this account. So again, financial literacy is kind of like embedded into my growing up Journey and then upbringing. Yeah, exactly. And then when I was 18, they taught me about credit cards and like make sure that when you go to university, you know how to use a credit card correctly because it's not free money, things like that. Also, when I turned 18, they got me to start investing in the stock market. And that's how I actually purchased my first house so I started investing in the stock market when I was 18 and five years later by the time I was 23 it was large enough that I could put it towards a down payment and that's exactly what I did
1: that's amazing that's so amazing so was that self-taught like in terms of investing in the stock market did your parents kind of coach you through that process did you discover for yourself or is it a bit of a mix of all of the above
0: yeah it's a mix of them so I'd say the start at the start it was very heavy on my parents teaching me about it uh, especially my dad he's the one who every two weeks when I would get paid he'd be like okay what are you buying this week what stock are you buying you know and he was he was like my accountability partner for the first few years but then when nice. he, uh, I think when he saw that I was comfortable with um, doing it and I was actually investing every two weeks without with or without his um, prompting then he was like okay go on your own and that's when I really started to learn about investing and I started to read a lot of books I started to listen to finance podcasts And now I I basically do the same thing as all those podcasts that I was listening to.
1: (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. And so so you mentioned university. So was that like, um, did you, what did you study? And then how does that line up with what you're doing now?
0: Yeah, so I went to the Schulich School of Business at York University, which is a business school. And I did my BBA, so Bachelor's of Business Administration. And I did this, uh, and then... So while I was there, I they're very big on telling you about networking and the importance of networking and things like that. So I would say I learned that very. Yeah. And for my first year, I had an internship at um, a real estate company. I realized I didn't like that. The next year, I got an internship at a bank. Realized that. It was okay so i'm like okay not for you but i was like it's okay yeah. like it's not it's probably not long term but it's 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 a it's a job and they pay more than minimum Do wage. It you can make it work exactly and they pay you more than minimum minimum wage for these uh, internships so i was like yeah I, I like this um and then the next year i so i was working as a business analyst at the bank of montreal and then i asked them then i again the role was okay but it wasn't ideal so i started networking as i was there and i was like I found another team, I asked my manager if I could job shadow that team, I job shadowed them for about two weeks. And while I was there, I was like, "Hmm, I kind of like this more. So then at at the end of my two weeks job shadowing period, I asked the manager, and I said, Oh, I am looking for an internship for next year. If you're looking to hire anyone, I'm your girl. And then she did hire me the next summer, which was pretty cool. Uh, that was my third nice. year of university. And then when I graduated the next year, I was looking for an internship again. Same thing, networking. And I got another business analyst role right out of graduation. Uh, so that was cool. But once I got into that role, it wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. Um, it was <clears throat> very administrative, I would say, compared to okay. my previous roles. And after three months, I was kind of like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. (laughs) And I think think a lot of people in that scenario usually just stick it out because it's like, Oh, it's a job. It's, they pay decent entry level. You have to do your five to seven years yeah. or whatever it is you're supposed to do. I was like, no, immediately. No, I'm no. not, I'm not doing uh-uh. it. So I, when I was at Schulich, nice. I studied both, I did business, but I did a specialization in marketing and in operations management. So because I had the marketing side, I was like, I really liked marketing when I was working at the, uh, when I was in school, let me try and get into a marketing role. And again, I networked my way into a marketing role. Um, and I was working at BMO Private Wealth, so the wealth management arm of BMO. And essentially what I was doing was I was creating marketing plans to attract ultra high net worth clients to the bank. So like millionaires, billionaires. Yeah. And providing them with financial literacy content. So it was basically like.
1: So how receptive were they to you? Because you're like, you're probably the age of their children yeah. right yeah. how did you how did you overcome that because i think that's so amazing and courageous and bold of you
0: yeah so it was more so that i was creating the content for the investment advisors who work there and then the investment advisors would be the one actually like for, like saying it so they didn't know it was coming from a 22 year old kid yeah um
1: but still that's still pretty amazing
0: yeah it was a great experience and again it was like but then as I was there, I was, I was like, hmm, I'm kind of helping the rich get richer. Like I'm creating content like, here's how to utilize your RSP, Here's how to donate to charities to lower your taxable income. You know, things that, okay, rich people, they probably already know. And I was like, I think I can, Yes. I
1: think all this information- I need to make me rich and I need to also share that knowledge with people who need it.
0: Yeah, right? I was like, I think the average person, especially black people, need to know this information. And I also saw when I was working, there the rich people most of them were white men and then their kids they would start teaching them at a very young age but i realized a lot of my friends don't have that same thing right so that's why i decided to start after i purchased my house i my friends were like how did you do this and i'm like guys i've been telling you about investing in the stock market since i was 18 years old and they were like nope we need more information write a write a they were like write a blog post um record a podcast Put
1: the info out there.
0: And I was like, okay. And I always wanted to start a YouTube channel, honestly. So it was a natural um, pivot. Next step, yeah. And then I started my YouTube channel. And Mm -hmm. now I'm a full-time content creator. So that's what I want to talk
1: to you about. So tell me about the transition from like, I work at BMO and, you know, I'm doing these, um, I'm doing a nine to five to... Starting content creation, I imagine that you probably did both. You know, did content creation as your side hustle. Mm-hmm. So, how did you make it your main hustle? So I started. I wanted like I want to know. <laughs> I need to. I need to also learn these ways because yeah. it's good knowledge.
0: Yeah. So I started in May of 2020. That's when I started my YouTube channel. I was working at the Bank at the time, and uh, I I it took like three months for me to start making money on YouTube. So I made my first hundred dollars that year and I was like oh my gosh this is so amazing you can make money on the internet <laughs> like it's like my my mind was expanded drastically after that yeah
1: and that and was this mostly advertising revenue
0: yeah so it was pretty much all it was only advertising revenue yeah and uh basically okay. people would put ads on my youtube videos and then um they pay you I think it's a 55 45 split uh, between you and google okay. uh, and they pay you some
1: decent but- considering it's a free
0: platform exactly right so i got some money mm-hmm. like, okay cool like now i think i can do like i was like I, I i think i can scale this a lot and i started making videos i was very consistent so every week i post i was posting twice a week every single week and these are long form like wow 10 minutes 15 minute 20 minute video so I was really going hard at the beginning um
1: and where were you like so how are you balancing your
0: time because you're still working right good question so I would say at that point my job I had kind of mastered my role at that point so it was kind of like a role where I knew from I'm only working from nine to five it's not like it's going to take me longer because I'm I was very good at it at that point um and yeah. I, I, I was able to set good boundaries with my manager at, at that point as well. Uh, but also, I would use my Saturdays. So I would do, I would record four videos on Saturday morning. And then I would edit those four okay. videos on Sunday or Saturday night. And then I would schedule okay. them out for the next four weeks. Like that's, that's the way. Nice. It, yeah. So that's, I mean,
1: and that's like four, that's a month out. So one weekend that gives you your four months of con, I mean, one month of content. And that's pretty good. Cause I, I'm sure you could splice and dice for like Instagram and TikToks. Exactly. So is that where you do? Like you'd repurpose some of them. Exactly.
0: So yeah, that's the way that nice. I to manage it. And I think batch creating is something, if anyone wants to become a content Creator, you you should be batch creating because it just allows you to have mm-hmm. sustain, it's like a sustainable workflow. If you're just recording the same oh, day right. a post, it's it's not sustainable at all. So and so, okay, so
1: you're you made your first hundred dollars and then what?
0: And then same thing. I just I just kept I kept going, and at that point, my channel was growing pretty well, like slowly but surely. Like, and my community was extremely engaged. Then a yeah. affiliate program reached out to me for one of the banks in Canada. And I was like, mm-hmm. hmm, I, it's it's kind of a conflict of interest if I accept this when I am <laughs> working at a bank, you're
1: working in one other bank, you're giving financial information and you're taking another bank's yeah. money.
0: Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, I, mm-hmm. I I can't be saying I love RBC when I work at BMO, you know. So I had to turn down that right, first, right, right. That first one, and then I also got a promotion that same year. Um, and this is still 2020. Uh, 2020. When was that? When did I quit? Yeah, 2020. It was the end of 2020. I got a promotion. Okay. That job Mm -hmm. was very hectic, I will say. So I went from
1: like being able to- It's no longer my nine to five. And then I have my weekends and evenings to myself.
0: Yeah. It was a nine to nine at that point. Um, And two of my coworkers went on leave like like a month after I started so it was very hard I was basically doing my work plus balancing their work and I'm like I don't even understand what I'm doing yet. I just got here (laughs) so yeah yeah, it was a bit hard to manage and again I got that and then I got another affiliate program um and it's an online only bank and I was like okay I'm gonna I just was like I'm gonna take it regardless um and then I started getting paid for it and it was pretty good income like in June of 2021 I made $3,000 Three thousand dollars on YouTube from like the affiliate income from one brand, and then and then from the AdSense on my videos. And I was like, oh my gosh! I was like, yeah. I can do this. Like, I, so at that point, that was when my mind was made up that I think I can quit my full time job. Although three thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. is not enough to support me uh, each month. And and
1: you have a mortgage yeah. at this point in time. Yeah, so
0: three thousand dollars isn't actually enough to support me, but but I. Th- I'm pretty sure that like I can scale this if I actually had time to dedicate to this because at that point I was and do this full time yeah I wasn't I couldn't be as consistent because I was so tired like on Saturdays I didn't even want to record like I was I was so tired so right. I was like okay something yeah. has to give either I I was gonna leave the job regardless uh, and maybe just find another nine to five but I was like right. let me just bet on myself and, and take a bet on myself
1: too. the yeah. best bet you could ever take yes
0: and i did that nice. october 1st 2021 was my first my last day at my corporate job and i went oh, full force and in- were you scared <laughs> what i wasn't scared because i was like if it doesn't if it fails i can just get another job that was my logic <laughs>
1: um and i love it you know I'm from a, like so I'm like adulting adulting like mortgage three kids yeah. so so the 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 thought of you know I, I think there's something really amazing about uh, ha- being in that season where you could really bet on yourself and you could also you know like you said, if it doesn't work out you'll get a job and um it takes that courage which which I think is just amazing
0: <laughs> thank you yeah it was a uh... It was a it was a good decision, but yeah, I always recognize the privilege that I had to like not have I don't have children, so that would definitely change the uh, dynamic, yeah, for sure.
1: Equation, but it's a good season, and I I think maybe even segueing into, um, I think there's a lot of pressure on young people to know exactly what you're going to do in life and and you know figure it all out in your twenties. Never mind that you know I always hear Gary V saying this that. Your 20s to your 30s, that's your experimentation time Mm -hmm. because you've got the luxury of time. People are living longer. This undue pressure to, to find this job and figure out your purpose. Whereas that's the season to kind of try things out. What have you learned? I think one of the things I really love about the content that you share is your transparency. A lot of people like, Oh, be a full-time content creator, blah, blah, blah. But they're not showing you the receipts of exactly what you're doing and how you're doing it. And I think that it's both transparent, but it also, it, it, really shows that I'm not just faking it till I make it like this is what I'm doing so um what advice do you have for folks who are thinking about content creation as a as a source of income and then both from the parent perspective in terms of you know the parents of kids younger and older who are like I want to create content full-time and they're like no, get a real job yeah and bo- also for that, that young person who's, and even not just young person, I, I don't think it needs to be, you don't need to be young to, to work in, in the content creation space. And so for that person who wants to take the leap on their self, they're still like, Ugh, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um. So for the parents, I would tell them that su- support your children in what you want to do especially if you see that they're passionate about it so it doesn't have to be like you're like yeah quit your job and go be a content creator i wouldn't advise that but it's like have they been putting in the work before they ever think of quitting their job because a lot of people just i I have one-on-one calls with a lot of people and they just want to jump into content creation but they've never they've never posted anything content full-time yeah and they've never they've never posted anything on their social media before and i'm like the math is not really math. It's not computing. You know? <laughs> it's not computing. Yeah, because I, I just don't understand. I'm like, I was always creating content about like fat, especially my just my outfits of the day and things like that. Way before I ever got paid for anything. Like since high school, I've been posting every yes. my different outfits. So I'm like, you're
1: consistent. So your consistency, your consistency probably started a good. Five seven yeah. years before exactly. you actually went into it—that's a really key step because um, folks forget that. Like they see the finished product, they're not seeing all of your trials and errors and all the other hours that you put in.
0: Yeah, and I feel like they a lot of people again. If you really wanted to become a full-time content creator, you would be creating content before you ever get paid for it. Like it's it's not a it's not a normal type of job where you get an internship and then this. It's like. It's you're freelancing essentially, and you have to start creating a portfolio before any brand will ever want to work with you. So I would say, if parents mm. can see that this that their child is dedicated, they're putting in the work, they're actually consistent way before they get paid, then that would be something to be like, okay, I encourage you. Let's you know support that. My dad let's when I kept and let's exactly when when I quit, my dad said, what did he say? He said, okay. Uh, give here's a year go and do it for a year if it doesn't work then go come get another job and i was like okay cool like which is fair yeah and it was very it was motivating for me because i'm like okay, i have a year to just you know <laughs> work hard to
1: and prove dad that i can actually do this and i'm sure he'd be proud and i'm sure he is. yeah
0: and in my first year i think it was one hundred twenty thousand dollars that i make and he was like okay you're good you know keep going keep going so yeah <laughs>
1: Okay. So, so break down this math yeah. for us please yeah. 120k so that's October 2021 to 2022 mm-hmm. you need to spill this tea yeah because we need to know <laughs> yeah
0: so that was like January 2022 to December 2020 uh, uh yeah December 2022 oh, yeah. I I what I think I have a full YouTube video giving the exact numbers of, w- of what I made but essentially it's like working with brands so I have a lot of sponsorships and brand deals and um they will pay mm-hmm. to advertise on my platform because I have built like a very engaged community where all my comments are always popping. You know, if I promote something, I recently just partnered with Aeroplan, and my comments were going like, they were full of hundreds of comments. Right. So, um, friends like to tap into reaching black people. My following is mostly black women. So, you know, they, they're tapping into that and I love it for me (laughs) and they will pay big bucks.
1: I love it for you. And I love it for us. It's, Amazing. And this is the kind of stuff that we need to do and see. So tell us a little bit about the brand partnerships process. Like how do you, so how do you go about, do brands contact you? Are you reaching out? I know know that you now also have a bit of a team that's supporting you. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about the brand partnerships process and then a bit of your scaling process because it's very Cool.
0: Yeah. So for brand partnerships, I would say I learned this when I was working in corporate, actually. And it's the power of personal branding and like having a presence online and basically telling people how you want to be perceived. A lot of people think they don't have a personal brand or they've never worked on their personal brand. but whether you think you have a personal brand or you don't think you have, a, you do, you do have a personal brand. You so, um, if you ask Absolutely. 10 people who know you, what's the first three things they think of when they think of you, that that's your personal brand. And that's either mm-hmm. you can let people, you can let people determine that, or you can be strategic and craft that personal brand. So, I was very strategic about crafting a brand that I am the finance girl. I am the you know career. I'm a resourceful person. Anyone who wants resources come to me and I will share those resources with you. That was my whole, that's my whole brand and brands like TD Bank, like Wealth Simple, Simply Financial. All these brands come to me because it's like she's clearly, she's marked herself off as the finance girl. Who else are we going to go to who, who focuses on finance, right? So we're going to go to her so yeah. she can get to them because they're coming to her. Exactly. So that's how I've been able to mm-hmm. get brand deals. Basically, like positioning myself strategically and allowing brands to see how they can fit in, into my content. Like a lot of brands who reach out to me have never – have never ever done partnerships before with creators but then they see my content and they're like you share a lot of resources we share resources but we never saw content creators that share to share information like this so let's partner with you to share it so um i would say Mm -hmm. 99 probably percent of my brand deals just come to me and it's all because of the positioning of my my, uh, platform i also um have reached out to a few brands, but I would say, yeah, the majority just come to me. And then when you work with them, the process is that they come with a campaign. So they say, I want to promote my self-directed investing platform. Um, I want you to do a one minute video on it, 30 second video, whatever their deliverables are. And then you will go back and forth with them on a brief uh, of the content that you're going to put out. And then you will put that content out for your, uh, your audience to see. Yeah. So that's the process of how nice.
1: Oh, that's amazing. And then tell us a little bit about scaling. So just you going from one-on-one brands reaching out here and there to being, you know, what, when did you know that you needed to, um, scale? And then, uh, how did you, how did you do that?
0: Hmm. When did I know I needed to scale? I don't know. I, I, hmm, that's a good question. I just, when it was my full-time job, I was like, well, I need money now because I don't have a regular income. So we're going to have to work hard, yeah. <laughs> work harder or work smarter, I would say. So I got like yes. an assistant, for example, to help me um, manage all the emails so that she could scheduling. go back and forth with the brands instead of me going back and forth with them. I also scheduling my mm-hmm. meetings and things like that. I also now have a um, editor who is now going to be editing my YouTube videos just so I can consistently put out content without being burnt out from because editing is not something I enjoy. So (laughs) if I can consistently put it out,
1: I that was the first thing I had to outsource in terms of the podcast, because I wanted to do both video and audio. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, no, I'm not learning this. (laughs) So if I can outsource a piece. It it focuses you in the creative space, and then you don't have to, um, then you don't have to do that
0: exactly. And then I also focused. Uh, I also had an intern for the summer, and she was helping me write blog posts, so I could be writing blog posts consistently. Um, so things like that really they just allow me to again focus on the creative side, and then outsource all the technical yeah. things that I don't really like to do, um, or that I just don't have yeah. time to do. Some of them I actually do enjoy doing. I just don't have the time. Uh, And I think my time is better spent doing other things. I'm a big proponent of paying experts to do what they're an expert at. Which is a big, big part of that, the outsourcing, trading time for money
1: and then money for time. And it's like if somebody else can do that and do it faster and leaves me with a space to do, you know, that's a good thing. So, um bringing the conversation home. this I, I'm, I'm loving everything I'm hearing and I can't wait to share um, this podcast episode of the world. Um, so five tips that you have on, um, I want to talk about financial literacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what five things can you advise uh, Black professionals, especially in that Canadian context, uh, to do to set them up uh, professionally and financially?
0: Okay. So the first thing I'll say is as a professional, a lot of us rely on this one source of income that we have, and we are very dependent on it, which is natural because it's it's a very consistent salary, but layoffs are a very real thing right now, especially if you work in like the tech space, recruiting, um, a lot of the, it's a very volatile space right now. So I always tell people to start up an emergency fund. That would be my first tip start an emergency fund. And that would be where you put money into a savings account. And it's three to six months worth of your expenses. So if you spend $4,000 a month, you're going to try and save $12,000. So that if anything happens to you, then you can tap into that emergency fund rather than going into debt. And when I say anything happens to you, that could be something like you get God forbid in a car accident that now you can't work for some time, or you get laid off from your role, something like that, that it's like, very, it's catastrophic that you need you need um, time to bounce back from it. You will instead of going into debt again you will have this emergency fund and it also allows you to it's like your vex money where it's like okay if this job is pissing me off i can leave and i know i have this money to tap into
1: <laughs> i love that your vex money like i'm done with you guys yeah i'm gonna i have enough to at least sort myself out while i get to my next job or whatever
0: yeah exactly so that would be the first tip that i have you always want to start up that emergency fund and again you don't have to start it doesn't have to be be like i need twelve thousand dollars immediately to put in there it can be that you are putting in a um, hundred dollars from every paycheck until you're just building up that that fund the second thing that i will talk about is that you should start investing in the stock markets uh, because your sal- yeah okay you should start investing in the stock market because inflation is inflation and it's taking away our money uh and ideally like your money is basically losing value second by second so every day you want to
1: just go go to costco go to walmart the things are shrinking and they're doubling in price and it's just the math is not mapping (laughs) exactly
0: so ideally we want to make sure that we are making the money that we make at our corporate job we're making it work for us by putting it somewhere where it will work for us so you put it in the mm-hmm. stock market for example and it can grow but i think a lot of people are scared by this concept so an easy way to do that would yeah. be to tap into your employer's registered matching programs so if your employer has an rsp program which is the registered retirement savings plan if they have that program you can tap into that program and what it is is You put in, say, $500, they will match uh, $250 or $500, whatever the plan is. And I think that's a great way to actually start investing because it's coming right out of your paycheck. You can't spend it. And they are experts who are investing it on your behalf. So that would be the second thing that I would say. The third thing I would say is negotiate your salary. (laughs) Uh, That's a literacy tip that I always tell everybody. Please negotiate your salary uh, whenever you go into a Mm -hmm. new job it's a must. They uh, typically people come at you like the recruiters coming at you expecting you to negotiate, right? So if you don't negotiate, then you're putting you're leaving money on the table. Yeah so yeah. i have lots of videos yeah. on this and, and
1: like can should anybody and everybody negotiate because i think sometimes folks feel like okay if it's a unionized job can i really negotiate you know
0: yeah i've heard that you can negotiate between the pay scale within a union so uh, if there's like a job grade then you can say like you can negotiate within the scale Bump
1: me up put me somewhere yeah exactly number four
0: yeah next one would be that you should job hop <laughs> i am a big proponent of job yes, hopping. i
1: say this all the time and i'm so glad to hear you say that
0: yeah i'm a huge proponent of job hopping i think that staying in a role for or in the same company for men, or even actually, let's say the same role for four, five, six, seven years is a way to just not make any money long term. Yeah. Um, and lock yourself in and not be seen as more. Exactly. Um, and if you'll even see, there could be a new role on your team that comes up for the exact same thing you're doing, and they'll offer that person way more than they're paying you, right? Uh, so I would always, I, left every single year i got a new job when i was working and my salary was able to go up significantly even though it was within the same company so i would say consider job hopping it people think it leaves a bad rep but honestly in 2023 if I you think do
1: it right i think and if you do it strategically right mm-hmm. like we're not saying go mess up your reputation and then try to find another job because yeah. that won't speak well of you yeah but i think even within, I like that you said, within the same company um, and even like in that career strategy, right? Within the same, if you don't want to change organizations, then just within the same company, move around and move up. Because yeah. you'll find, again, every move um, can be leveraged. And I think staying in the same job will hurt you more than it will help.
0: Yeah, you. it definitely hurts you. I would, And even another tip, I guess, would be to negotiate your um, like. Raises every year because even if you are going right. to stay in the same job, say you don't want to, you can still ask for raises every single year, and that's what I did. Whenever I was there for more than a year, I asked for <laughs> I asked for a raise, right? um And not just a cost. And you ninety know, percent of the time, you get it. Yeah. And again, you you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you do not take, so you might as well ask. If they say no, okay, but at least at least ask.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. Final tip.
0: Hmm. One tip, I guess, is a career tip, but I think it, it helps you is to get a mentor within the um, within the space that you are in. I find that mentorship has helped mm-hmm. me accelerate my career and again get more money long term because it they have gone where you have already where you want to go, and they can tell you the mistakes that they've made on that path. So if you are sharing, if you ask them specific questions, obviously be very intentional about the questions that you have for your mentor. It's very it's it's allows you to not make mistakes that could be otherwise costly
1: yeah oh no that's very true and and again you, you- all through, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, you talked a lot about you networked and then you networked and then you networked, right? So networking is, is it goes hand in hand with that mentorship is that you're leveraging your mentor to help you network and then you're leveraging your network to get to, you know, new mentors exactly. and new opportunities and whatnot.
0: Exactly.
1: So this has been a really, really, really great conversation. Um, where can folks find you? So I call this my shameless plug for mm-hmm. folks who don't yet know you, where can they find Find you on YouTube, on Instagram, TikTok, wherever.
0: Yes, you can find me on Instagram at XO at YouTube at XO that's X O R E N I, on TikTok at XO XO Renny, all the platforms pretty much. I have a website uh, called RennyTheResource.com. And I also have a podcast that is coming out. Season two is coming out very shortly. <laughs> My podcast is called Don't Go Broke Trying. And it helps you to not go broke trying to live your best life. So I actually have an episode called Don't Go Broke Trying to Job Hop because there are right ways and wrong ways to do it. I also have Don't Go Broke Trying to Build Your Career. And I'm bringing on two recruiters on my podcast. So yeah, season two is coming out soon. You can find it on all platforms like Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all of them. So um, yeah. And if you go on my page, XORENI, you'll get links to all of these things as well.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so, so, so much. This is Great. I'm so like every time I, I come on your page, I I love the, the, the professionalism of your content, your consistency. And, and I like being seen in terms of as a Black Canadian, seeing someone sharing links and it's not Amazon.com, yeah. it's Amazon.ca, right? Like yeah. those little things. So so keep doing you and keep keep shining, uh, rooting for you and, and just know that you're really trailblazing. And that's something that all of us, I think, as Canadians and as Black women benefit from. so yeah. So thanks again and let's keep slaying together. Yes. Yeah,
0: thank you for having me. I appreciate it.